we'll turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Who's that? Mike Aiken. Okay. Thank you. A-K-I-N or Aikens. Oh, okay. Got it. Thanks. Mike Aikens. Anything else on the news we need to know about? Anything else on the news we need to know about? <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> Man. Okay, so take your Bible or your iPhone or whatever and turn to 1 John chapter 5. iPad. Did I tell you all about the guy who bought his wife a three-carat solitaire diamond ring for Christmas? Uh, Pretty amazing. Stone was huge. You didn't even have to have a magnifying glass to look at it. And uh, he uh, showed it to one of his friends because not Christmas yet. His friend said, uh, "Wow, that's cool!" But I thought your wife wanted a one of those luxury jeeps for Christmas. He laughed and said, "Where are you going to find a fake jeep?" <laughs> First John chapter five, verse one. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So everybody who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and is the Christ is is saved, right? Is that what he said? Whoso believeth, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. The problem is John's use of the word believe. Because our definition of believe is different from John's definition of believe. Okay? For example... I believe this chair will hold me up. I weigh quite a bit more than this chair. I'll show you how I can know that. See that? You didn't see me lifting me up. I lift up the chair. But I believe this chair will hold me up. I believe it will hold me up standing on one leg. You want to see it? Because when I say I believe, that doesn't mean I really believe. True belief is always demonstrated. Results in action. Okay? It's demonstrable. Like science. Science is always provable. And can be redone. Reproduced. Okay? So for me to say that the creation of the world is scientific is not correct. I can't reproduce creation. 
I can't redo it in the in the laboratory. Nobody can. Okay. So how do I know that God created the heavens there? I accept it by faith. Okay. Other people believe that the world that the universe started with the Big Bang and things gradually evolved, little by little. But they can't demonstrate that either. It does not occur in nature, nor can it be reproduced in the laboratory. Interesting article today uh, I read that uh, I I can find it, but I don't remember what the name of the uh, magazine is that I read in. Uh, Koinonia, maybe. Uh, Anyhow, it's an article about how that the codons which are deoxyribose nucleic acids, not acids, but the actual uh, things in the uh, genome that produces changes in the cells, okay? Turns out that some of them have dual purposes. So they don't call them codons, they call them duons, okay? Most everything I do is called do-over. But these are do-ons. And the scientists are amazed that there is a secret code hidden in the uh, DNA structure that tells cells when to change and how to change and then develops the enzymes that cause the change. And they're just... Whoa, totally flabbergasted. And so I link from there to another article by Carl Sagan's wife, who is a brilliant writer and a longtime evolutionist and scientist. She truly is a scientist, and she has created a great deal of controversy because she says that changes in cells caused by these duons cannot be the result of evolution. Whoa. Now, she hadn't gone past that. She, I mean, she's not made the conversion yet, and she's certainly not a creationist or even a, uh, a, a specific special design uh, adherent, but she recognizes that uh, evolution doesn't work, doesn't hold water, and it's not scientific belief belief always results in action and I told you I believed that chair would hold me up okay as long as I stand here I can say that all day and you don't know if I really believe it or not okay but if I go over here put my weight in this and raise my feet off the ground, you know I really believe it. In fact, can y'all still hear me back there? I'll just preach from here. (laughs) Justin. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Because if you believe it, you're going to act on it. 
And how do you act on it? You receive Jesus as your personal Savior. Interesting discussion this day, today with a Catholic lady. She was a cradle from the grave Catholic, the way she described herself. <laughs> okay? And uh, she begins telling me some things that have happened in the last couple of years in her life and, and about the subject of Christmas. And I began to share with her some things about Christmas, and her eyes kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, then I, I shared with her, <laughs> oh, she made the statement that uh, basically we're all headed the same direction, just taking different paths to get there. Uh, she didn't say it like that. She said, uh, some people shop at Snooks and some people shop at Shop and Save, but we all go for the same purpose. Okay, so it doesn't matter what church you belong to. And I said, uh, let me share with you an area where, where I'm, I have concerns about that idea. And she said, okay. And uh, so I, told, I mentioned to her about purgatory. The fact that purgatory did not exist until they began building St. Peter's Basilica and needed to sell people something to raise money to build this huge church. And the best way they could figure to do it was to get people to pay to have their relatives get into heaven. And her statement had been that when Jesus died on the cross, he opened the gates to make heaven available. Okay, that doesn't mean you get in automatically. And I said, I said, and, and my concern with that is that First John one seven says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin, all sin. And I said, if I've been forgiven for all of my sin, why would I go to purgatory and and finish paying? Why would I do penance for sins that have already been forgiven? And I said, they, uh, some people's response to that is, well, okay, but what about, uh, that covers all the sin of the past. What about future sin? And my response is, when Jesus died on the cross and paid for the sins of the whole world, when he paid for, when he forgave all of my sin, all of my sin was future there wasn't any past sin and future sin. It was all future. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleansed me from all sin. And then I smiled very sweetly and said, and of course, you and I will probably agree to disagree on that subject. But I just wanted you to know what my concerns are. Okay? Yeah, I'll let the Holy Spirit take it and do whatever He wants to with it. But I thought she ought to know that shopping at different stores doesn't mean you get the same food. Okay? And I do shop at all of those, at both those stores, plus two or three others. Okay? Shop at all these because they have the best prices and the best cheese. Uh, <clears throat> they're, uh, yeah. They get this blueberry cheese, blueberry coated goat cheese. It's you slice it and put it on a cracker. It comes in a roll. Slice it and put it on a cracker, you know. You just got to be careful because you see me every once in a while with stains on my shirt. Well, the stain sometimes is from what I dropped there. Other times it's from my tongue beating me to death trying to get to whatever I dropped on there. And so, but uh, anyhow, <coughs> yes, uh, 
If I wanted to teach somebody the importance of tithing, I'd send them to the Catholic Church. Because there, the priest tells you how much you're going to get. And he bills you for it, is my understanding. Okay? Let's talk about that. Next deacon's meeting, Brother Randy. <coughs> Brother Ray. That might, that might be a good idea. <coughs> okay. But if I want somebody to know about salvation, I'm not sending them somewhere where you confess your sins to somebody else. Because there's only one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. He's the only one I confess sin to. Now, sometimes I will acknowledge sin in a public forum so that people don't get the wrong idea and think I think I'm perfect because I know better. Okay, I want to be transparent. But I also want them to know that if they forgive me or not, it's not going to make any difference because Jesus Christ forgives me every time I ask. So, if we believe that Jesus is the Christ, and we act on that belief, we are born of God. Born of God. That means born into God's family. A child of God. First John 1 John 1.9, excuse me, uh, John 1.12, as many as receive Jesus, Him, to them, he gives the power to become the sons of God. I am a son of God. I am a child of God. John chapter 3. Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. Born into the family of God. Born of God. So I was born physically to Gene and Joyce Casey. I was born spiritually by the Holy Spirit of God. And made a part of his family. Whosoever believeth Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone that loveth him that begat, begat means to be the father of, loveth him also that is begotten of him. And so if I love God, then I not only love the Lord Jesus who is begotten of him, but I love all of you all who are begotten of God. Okay? And not everybody who is begotten of God does the right things at the right time in the right places. Some of them are living in sin, open sin. And that causes me to question whether or not they are saved, but I'm not the one to decide that. If they say they're saved, then I have to take them at their word and acknowledge that I love them. Doesn't mean I like what they do. I loved my son from the moment, well, from before he was born. Okay? Back then they didn't have all these cool little pictures, these little shadow pictures from the ultrasound. You just had to take the doctor's word for it that you were going to have a baby. And then your wife started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and you assumed it was going to be a baby and hoped it was just one. But anyhow. But anyhow, so I didn't know what he's going to look like until he was born. And then when he was born, he looked like a little catfish. I mean, they, they crushed his forehead in, uh, getting him out with the forceps. And, uh, and he came out, just, you know, his head was elongated. And 
uh, kind of freaky looking, but uh, oh man, I mean, he's a magnificent child. Woo! Got all his looks from his mom because I still got mine. <coughs> and when he was first born, yeah, he he did look a lot more like her than does my did my side of the family. Now he looks like my side of the family. So changed over the years. But anyhow, oh, I loved him. Man, got to hold him, and he just nestled in, you know. Nathan, you're going to love it. He just nestled right in there, you know. And then when he got uncomfortable, he started crying for the nurse. And so I called the nurse, and she took him back. And he said, how do you know he's crying for the nurse? I don't understand baby crying. I just assumed it was for the nurse because I knew I couldn't help him. Okay, I hadn't practiced diaper and wet babies yet and so uh, but uh, anyhow just, wow as he grew up there was one maybe two times when he did things that that were not pleasing to me okay i still loved him okay i spanked his little bottom but i still loved him didn't love what he was doing but i loved him and God blessed. Everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. It hurts me when I hear of God's people not loving other ones of God's people because of their behavior. Okay? And here's why it hurts me. Because what I have discovered through the years is that generally when somebody does something wrong, we do not, as Christians, apply the biblical principles about how to deal with the situation. Okay? What's the Bible say? Somebody offends you by their actions or by their words, what do you do? What? Go to them, to the to the person that did it. Okay, that confuses me, because what I've discovered is if somebody's offended, they always go to the pastor. <clears throat> okay, I have learned the proper response. The proper response is this: Well, what does the Bible say to do about it? Bible says go to them. Okay. And if they don't hear you, often they do. Most often they do. And then you have a friend for life because you didn't embarrass them. You didn't go run into the pastor and, and didn't take it to the whole church and didn't gossip about it. You went straight to them because you loved them and you wanted them to be right. You wanted them to be in a place where God could bless and when we do things God's way, God takes responsibility for the outcome. I know, that it surprises me all to pieces too. But, when we do it our way, then we are responsible for the way it turns out. That's why when somebody comes to me and says, Brother Casey, so-and-so did such and such, I say, really, how do you know that? Well, because they 
did it to my child or they did it in front of me or whatever. And I say, okay, and what have you done about it? Well, I came to tell you. Oh, yeah, like I want to get involved. Okay. So, I mean, what do you, what do you expect me to do? Stand in the pulpit, have that person stand up, tell them that I know what they did wrong, and now everybody else knows what they did wrong, and they are not allowed to return to the services until they confess it and acknowledge it and apologize to the person they did it to and to everybody else in their family and then come back and apologize before the whole church. And you're thinking, yeah, that'd serve them right. Yeah. I agree with you. But I don't want God serving me right. I don't want what I deserve. So far, I've been doing way better than I deserve. I'm not changing that if I can help it. I don't ever want what I deserve. And so I'm going to do it God's way. Okay? Now, if you go to them and they refuse to hear you, then you take somebody you know and love with you. Okay? You say, Brother Casey, will you go? No, not the second time, not the first time, not the second time. Okay? I'll go with you when we go the third time. We don't do it right the third time. Then we bring it before the church. But I don't ever want it to come to that. No. You see, what I have discovered is that Christians are easily wounded. A Christian falls down, and they don't just fall. They get stepped on. And they get skinned up. And sometimes they get wounded. Deep cuts and gashes and, you know, and, and, and they come to church with that same smile on their face and, and hope nobody can tell. But <laughs> can anybody tell Ron's knee hurts sometimes that his knee's not doing it? Yeah, because he's got that little walker thing. Okay. And you ask him how he's doing? Oh, it doesn't hurt anymore. And how come you and your walker? You know? That's if somebody slaps you. Okay? You turn the other cheek. And there are times, yes, when it's a personal affront and you just forgive them and go on. Okay? But we love God. And we love His children. And the problem with wounded Christians is it takes so long to heal. Sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years. And I know some old Christians that got wounded 30 years ago and they haven't healed yet. And they're not going back to church. Until they heal. And they're not doing anything to be healed. And I can't do anything about it. I'm not the one that offended them. I'm not the one that wounded them. And I've prayed for them. I've prayed with them. But it is so tragic. You say, Brother Casey, why are you telling us? Well, because someday somebody's going to offend you. Something's going to happen in the church that you're going you're gonna to think, well, why did they do that to me? And I want you to know how to handle it. 
And I want you to already love them because you love God. So that when it happens, you want them to be right with God, and so you go to them. And you restore them. That is the purpose of confrontation. Restoration. Confrontation is not to drive people away. It's not to embarrass people. It's not to shame people. It's to restore them. Illustration. Probably a dumb illustration, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. The Holy Spirit brought it to my mind. Senior in high school, taking, taking a, an analytical chemistry class. It was either that or physics, and I didn't like physics. So, so I was taking an analytical chemistry class. You say, what's analytical chemistry? That's where you go in, and the teacher has this beaker of liquid on his desk, and he tells you to bring your little beaker up, and, and he pours some into your beaker and pours in some into the other, the other beakers until everybody in the room's got some. And then he says, okay, go back and tell me what the elements are that are in this, how much of each one there is. And you take it to your, your lab table, and you start running tests on it. You see if you can get anything to precipitate out of it. Because if something precipitates out of it, something suddenly changes from liquid to, to a solid, then you can scoop that out and, and you can figure out what that is. Okay? And it was a blast. But it was a split class. We'd go to class for 20 minutes and then we would go to lunch and then we would come back after lunch and then we'd have another 30 minutes of class. Okay? And sometimes when we weren't doing the analytical part, we were... He was lecturing and and trying to teach us something. You know how hard it is to try to listen to somebody talk after lunch? Okay. And so one day I'm sitting there listening to the best of my ability. And for whatever reason, I was up late the night before. Actually, I know whatever reason I was reading. And I needed to finish the book. So I didn't finish until about midnight, 12, 15, something like that. And so I've eaten lunch. I'm full. And I'll plunk. And the first time it happens, the guy next to me reaches over and taps me on the arm. And I, you know, jerk awake right quick. And, and I stay awake as long as I can. It's like 35, 40 seconds. And then I'm out again. And all of a sudden, the teacher is standing by my desk with a cold, wet towel. Hand towel. You know? And instead of Waking me up, he laid it on my arm. And the cold, wet towel woke me up. And he is already walking back to his table. Still teaching. Still talking. He never did stop talking. He just wet this towel. And everybody else in the room is watching to see what he's going to do with it. And he walks back and he folds it up, lays it on my arm. And I wake up and take that towel, wipe my face. And he just goes right on talking. The end of the hour. I went to him and I said, thank you. And he said, hey, it's hard for me to stay awake after lunch in some of these classes. I understand. I had other teachers who, for other reasons, would embarrass students publicly in class. They never were my favorite teacher and never were the favorite of whoever they embarrassed, I promise. But this guy ended up being one of my favorite teachers. What a blessing. Okay? So I want to love people. And I want to try to restore them without wounding them. 
Verse 3. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. How come God wants to tell me what to do all the time? Yeah. How come God won't let us do anything fun? Like what? Well, like breaking in people's house and stealing stuff. You know? Like, uh, or just stealing stuff from the office. Pencils, paper clips, rubber bands, paper. His commandments are not grievous. Why are they not grievous? Because every command is given for our benefit, not his. It doesn't help God any for us not to steal. It doesn't help God any for us not to kill. It doesn't help God any for us not to commit adultery, fornication. It doesn't help God any for us not to covet. It doesn't help God any for us not to honor our parents. That doesn't do anything for God. It helps us. His commandments are all given for our benefit. You tell your kid, don't touch the oven door. It's hot. What kid, little kid knows what hot means? Well, I guarantee you, it doesn't take them but one or two times to learn. Kind of like, don't play on the basement stairs. You'll fall. I mean, I warned my brother Rod two or three times. In the meantime, we let him fall twice. He quit playing on the basement steps. He'd stand at the top and say, Randy, Ronnie, come get me. I want to play too. If we wanted him to play, we would have been playing upstairs, you know? <laughs> Commandments are not grievous. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Whoa. I better quit there. I'll pick that up later. Okay. I mean, how's it working in your life, overcoming the world? I mean, like things on TV that we know we ought not watch. Things that we ought do that we ought not do. And places we go that we ought not go. And habits we have that we know are wrong, you know. Defiling the body, you know, that sort of thing, you know. Wow. Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. I wonder if that's one of the signs of a Christian. I wonder if that's one of the identifying marks. Paul says, Paul said one time that he bore in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What if one of the marks of the Lord Jesus is to overcome the world? Worldly habits, worldly ideas, worldly thoughts, worldly actions, worldly appearance, all those things. Nah, couldn't be that. Let's be dismissed. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Dear Lord, don't let me get so silly that my sarcasm is lost on folks. Yeah, if we're going to overcome the world, it's got to be in every area of our lives. We're going to have to be Christians, followers of Jesus, disciples. Dear Lord, 
Dismiss us with your love. Bring us back safely on Sunday. And dear Lord, again, we bring every prayer request before you that was mentioned tonight. And the ones that were unspoken. And we ask that your perfect will and way would be done in each situation. Dear Lord, I don't know how you're going to glorify yourself through the through Mr. Aiken's death. Or through the the damage to his son's body. Dear Lord, we know that all things work together for good to those that love you and those that are called according to your purpose. And we ask you to bring glory and honor to yourself. Draw souls to Christ as a result of this horrible accident. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.